0: worship this morning. They always do a great job, don't they? Um. So we've been on the series called Anxiety, uh, or or Anxious About Nothing, but it's been about anxiety. And last week, it's kind of like you know this is part three of the series, and if you've missed any of the series, you can you can go on YouTube or Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts and find you know all the different parts of the series. And this is going to go through uh, the end of May, and I'm going to put a post out this week. I want to let you know uh, Memorial Day weekend we're going to have a special friend of mine, Kyle McLean. Um, he's a psychiatrist. He was my first counselor, but he's been my friend for for 20 years now. He's actually going to come and, and be with us and answer all of your questions because I know. I mean, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm handling the spiritual side of this, but there's a lot more to that. And so um, I'm sure that through this series, because, you know, I've had small group, my small group has had some great discussion on this series. You're probably like, yeah, but, and you might have a question and Kyle's going to come and answer those questions and talk about what the human body does when we're anxious. And it's very fascinating. I've heard him talk about this uh, for a long, long time. So I want to make sure you're here for Memorial Day weekend and and invite somebody uh, to come with you as well. But but last week I, I started a passage of, of scripture. It was on Jesus' famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but it's so large and so big that we had to split it up into two parts. And so, um, but I started off with a question last week. And the question was this. What has worry ever gotten you? right? What has worry ever gotten you? And then I ask some kind of clarifying questions. I ask you questions like this. Has worry added time to your day? Has worry attracted people to you? Have you ever profited from worry? Has worry added value to what you value most? And the answer to all those questions is no, right? No, it never has. And so why do we worry? And that's what we started to, to dive into because that's what Jesus answers in his Sermon on the Mount. It's one of those critical things that he covers in, in, across a few verses. But we started to talk about, too, this idea of, you know, the very first week of this series, I talked about how this thing that's in you is actually like a superpower, Right. I mean, it's totally okay to stress. Stress is a good thing. Stress means you care. Stress means you can foresee the future. You could possibly see what's going to happen. That That is always a good thing. You don't want to just turn that off. You don't want to just, you know, dole that down. You don't want, you know, I know a lot of times when I've dealt with this, because I've dealt with anxiety, I've prayed, you know, God, take this away from me. But what I've learned through through counseling and, and, and time with God is that I don't want God to take this thing from me. Because, When it's channeled in the right way, it's a good thing. It's like a superpower of mine. When it turns bad or when it becomes unhealthy for me and possibly even for others around me is when I start to catastrophize failure, which is not a real word, but it's a word now, okay? And 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 apparently according to our clips that we put out on social media they really like it too because it was kind of trending a little bit and I was like all right cool we did something all right catastrophize we catastrophize failure and what that means is if x happens oh it's ruined you know, if X happens, ah, oh, it's over if X happens and sometimes it's not if X happens, sometimes even we're in a moment that should be a celebration. We're in a moment of joy. We're in a moment of gratitude. And you're like, well, how did it go? Well, X happened. So it was a complete, it was utter failure. It was completely ruined. It was terrible. Really? All that over a dessert? Wow, okay. Um, you know, but that's what we do. That's what so many of us do who deal with anxiety. If X happens, then it's a failure. And so we catastrophize failure. And so when we're worried, when we're full of anxiety, when we're catastrophizing, the question is, is where do we turn? And a lot of us, we turn to our worry. And my worry, my worry is an attempt To control an impending or current catastrophe. I will take control of this. By my worry, by my wisdom, by my strength, by my resources, I will stop or I will make this catastrophe better. And the problem with that is that it rubs directly into the the exact opposite of what Paul said he did. Paul said, I'm leaning on God. I'm choosing to accept my inability so that I can find his ability. Because his strength is made perfect in weakness. So instead of trying to take control, I'm going to give up control. I'm going to accept God's grace. I'm going to face this. I'm going to be blunt about it. I'm going to boast about my weakness. And that's the exact opposite of what so many of us do. We think, I've got to take control of this. When Paul's strategy was, I'm going to give up control. And so last week we talked about accepting our inability so we can find God's ability in the midst of the situation. And this is the, the scripture verse that we covered thus far. Jesus, this is, these are Jesus' words. Matthew was there. He wrote them down. He said, therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat, what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. And again, these are things they worried about, things we don't worry about the things they worried about. And he says this, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And we talked about how we could translate that. Is is not life more than what you worry about? And then Jesus says this, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns. And that's going to come into play today. Very, very important. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And so that's where we left it off Last week. And to pick it up where we left off, this is what Jesus says next. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your day? Again, we'll go back to the question what has worry ever gotten you? Has it ever added a single hour to your day? And most of us would say, no, actually, it's stolen from my day. Like that hour that I spent worried about this, this this hour that I spent, you know, in my head or on my phone or, you know, playing the, that, that catastrophizing game in my head, it actually stole time away. You know, I don't get that much time with my kids. I don't get that much time with my, my spouse. I don't get that much time with my family. And what was I doing during that valuable time? Catastrophizing, worrying, being anxious, you know? I don't can't tell you how many times I've done that. I get time with my wife and we're watching a TV show. And I keep pausing the stupid TV show and going, yeah, but like, do you think it's an ingrown hair? Or like, it could be a tumor though, right? You know what I mean? She's like, just play the stupid show, Michael, right? I mean, I'm ruining that time. It's taking that time away. The worry, anxiety, it steals, it steals time from us. And then Jesus says this. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor and spin. Now, this is such an important connection and Not not to brag or anything, but I've never thought of this scripture verse this way. And this kind of got put together for me in a brand new way. Because I think a lot of you, you've heard this verse before. I've heard this verse before. I grew up hearing this verse. But something something just kind of popped out to me in the scripture. And I went, oh my goodness, I found something brand new. You remember when Jesus was talking about the birds, right? He said, look at the birds. He said, what can they not do? He said, they... They, they are unable to reap, sow, or store. He says, but you, you, you can. And now he's talking about the flowers. He says, look at the flowers. They, they cannot labor, labor or spend, but you can. And you know, it, 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 it kind of came to me all of a sudden. I was like, you know what Jesus is doing in this passage? Jesus is saying, look at creation, look at all of creation, look at the flowers, look at the, look at the, look at the animals I've created. Look what they are unable to do, but what I have put in you. I have given you the ability, one of the attributes of God. I have given you the ability to reap, to sow, to store, to labor, to spend. It means that God put in you the ability to act. To call yourself to action. He gave you the ability to plan, to organize, to budget, to save, to sign up, to go to work, to work hard, to labor, to spend, to plan, to create. He said, I gave you this gift that no one else in creation has. And you know what God is saying through this passage? He's saying, I gave you this gift and here's the thing. I want to encourage you to use it. I want you to use it. I want you to reap. I want you to sow. I want you to store. I want you to labor. I want you to spend. I want you to go to work. I want you to save. I want you to budget. I want you to plan. I want you to create. I want you to do all of these things. It's why I gave you this skill. So use it. God has given you permission and is encouraging you to reap, sow, store, labor, and spend. Now here's the thing. And I say this with all the love I have inside of me, okay? But this is the, I literally handed my wife my laptop last night and I said, is this okay to say? And she said, well, you're going to punch him in the face a little bit. So maybe don't say that one part, but yeah, okay. And so here's what I want you to hear. For some of you, and and let me back up for for, for just a second. I, I was made aware that this is, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, okay? I didn't know that. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Which if you knew that, you probably thought, this church and this, their staff, they are so smart. Look how they plan this series around May Mental Health Month. I had no clue it was May Mental Health Month, okay? But I think that's a total God thing, that it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And God gave me this a few months ago and said, I want you to do this in May. So apparently God and the whatever, whoever's planning the worldly calendar, they are on the same page. But God gave me this. And he said, I I want you to say this. And here's the thing. For so many of you, I know, because I'm your friend, because I'm your pastor, because I get the phone calls. You are not happy with where you are. Some of you, you're not happy with your health. You're not happy with your weight. You're not happy with how your body feels. You're not happy with where your budget is. You're not happy where your finances are. Some of you are going through some really hard mental health stuff. You are. You're really dealing with, with, with finding pleasure in your work. You're, finding, you're having problems in your marriage. You're having problems in your sex life. You're having problems with addiction. You're having problems with your kids. And here's the thing. Some of you are where you are because you refuse to reap, sow, store, labor, and spend. Here's the thing. You don't like how you feel, you don't like how you look, you don't like how you think, you don't like how you relate, you don't like this thing. Well, here's the thing. It will never change until you make the decision to do something about it. And God has given you the gift and God has given you the opportunity to reap and to sow and to store and to plan and to budget and to save and to go to work and to sign up for things and to put your body through things and to put your mind through things and to go to counseling and to go talk to somebody and to go see the doctor and to go get medicine. He has given you all of those skills, but you refuse to do anything about your problems. And I want to say this again with the most love that I could possibly say it. And I've had to say it to myself as I have dealt with anxiety. For you to refuse to do anything about your problem. But for your family and your friends and your kids and your spouse. To be completely aware of what's going on in you. And inside of your mind and inside your heart and what's going on with your body. To put that on them. And to do nothing about that is selfish. And again, I say that with all the love I could possibly say, and I've had to say it to myself. For me to put my mental health problems, to put what was going on in my brain on my wife and then her say, well, what are you going to do about it? And for me to not go see a counselor for years, for me to not seek treatment, for me to not get help, for me to not do what I needed to do to make my, get my body where it needed to be and to feel better and to think clear and to be more focused. For me not to reap, sow, store, labor and spend when God has given me that ability, that was completely selfish of me. And you should never, listen to me very closely, you should never, ever, ever put somebody in the position, somebody you care about, don't ever put them in the position where all that they can do is watch you deteriorate. Because for a spouse, for a husband, for a wife, for a child, for a parent, for a friend, as a pastor, as a pastor, One of the worst things I have to do is watch and know something is going on in somebody's life and know that I can't do it for them. They have to choose to do it themselves and just watch them deteriorate and hope and pray to God that I don't get that phone call, that they've made a terrible decision that's going to change the rest of their life. To get that phone call to find out they've had an affair, or they got caught, or they got in trouble, or they lost their job, or God forbid that they've taken their life. It is selfish to put people you care about in that position. Because God has given you the ability to take action. God has given you the ability to reap, to sow, to store, to labor, to spend And you should use it because it's a gift from God that he didn't give anyone else in creation. Now, that brings up a very important question though, right? Because some of us, oh, we take action, right? We reap, we sow, we store, we labor, we spend all the time, as much as we can. I mean, people who are anxiety ridden, this is, this is, again, our spiritual gift is to take action. And I got a really, uh, really good text this week. They said, hey, at any point in the series, are you going to address the balance or where the line is between faith and action? Because my spouse is all Faith. My spouse is all, it'll be all right, it'll work out, it'll be all good. I call those people hippies. In church, we call them people full of faith, okay? But, you know, it's all gonna be good. My spouse is full of faith, and I am full of, let's go to work, let's reap, let's sow. So, where's the line? You need to answer this question, Pastor, or else you're gonna be doing marriage counseling in June, okay? And I'm gonna answer that question today because Jesus actually answers that question today, too. Because there is a line. We should. We should reap, we should sow, we should store, we should labor, we should spend. But to what point? To what end? And Jesus is going to answer that question, but just hold on for a minute. So Jesus goes on and he says, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. And then he says this, Will he not much more clothe you. Jesus is trying to say, and again, Jesus is God in human form. So this is basically God saying this. He's like, do you not see? Do you not, do you not understand that I'm there for you? I'm there for you in ways you can't even comprehend. Things I'm there in ways you can't even see. And then he says this. He says, you of little faith. Which when we read that in English, right? We're like, ooh, ow, ooh. Did Jesus just say we have, little, we have little faith? But actually something really amazing and interesting happens here. There's, there's two Greek words here. In the original translation, there's two Greek words here. And look, I didn't take Greek. I, I was able to get out of Greek in seminary because I had taken Spanish in high school. That was a stupid move on their part. So I'm not even going to try to read this because I tried. I tried and that, that second word looks like pistachio to me. And I know that ain't right. Okay. But there's two Greek words here. And they're not found anywhere else in the Bible. That's what's so interesting about this. So when Matthew wrote this, he was trying to not just say what Jesus had said. He was trying to help us understand the context of what Jesus did in the moment. And if you actually broke this down into Greek, like actually translated it word for word of what he said in English, this is what Jesus said. Will he not much more clothe you, you little faithers, you? You little faithers you. Jesus was doing like a play on words. Jesus wasn't saying you of little faith. He wasn't pointing his finger at people. He was saying you little faithers you. I think so many times God looks at our anxiety. He looks at our doubt. He looks at our worry. And he doesn't he doesn't get on to us. He doesn't fault us for it. He doesn't he doesn't get mad at us. He doesn't look at us and go, "You have little faith." I think he looks at us and go, "You little faithers, you! Don't you know how much I value you? Don't you know how much I love you? Do not know how much I'm there for you, you little faithers, you! You just you make me giggle so much. How you worry so much? How you doubt so much? How you fear so much, you little faithers, you! Almost like you know he's saying it to a kid. He says that to them, and then he says this. So do not worry." Saying, what shall we eat? And what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And the word pagan just means everybody who's not a Christian. He's not not saying anything bad to anybody. He's just saying, that's that's what the world does. That's what the world worries about. And you're not them. You're not like them. Look at at what you've seen. Look at the glory of God that you've seen. And I mean, we're able to look on the other side of the cross. They hadn't even experienced the cross and the grave yet. But I mean, if Jesus were standing here today, he'd say, come on. That's what the pagans do But look you guys have seen the cross You've seen the grave You've heard the stories Come on Why are you worried about what you will eat What you will drink What you will wear You know I'm there for you You know what I'm able to do And then he says this And your heavenly father knows Your heavenly father knows That you need them Here's the thing about God And we forget this so often because when we think of God, we think of us. We only think of God in our context. But you, we believe that God is not in a linear time like we are. God is in the here and now, but God is also outside of time. At the same time that, that God is in the here and now, He's also in tomorrow, He's in the future. He's outside of time. He's bigger than all that. He's in the past. He's in the future. He's in the present. He sees it all. He sees all the possibilities. And he allows us to have this incredible ability to have free will and to make decisions. And he can see, well if they do that, that'll go there. If it goes there, it'll go that place. It's going to be really interesting to see where their story ends. But I can see all of the endless possibilities. And so God is even in the future because he knows what you need today and he knows what you've needed in the past but God can see all the little things and where things are leading. And he's also in the future. He's also in tomorrow, also working for our good and also doing things to help us along the way. That's how much your heavenly father knows you, loves you, and is is so powerful enough that he's able to do that. But he's already in tomorrow. He's already ahead of you. And here's what that means for you and I. That when it comes between what's the line between faith and action, how much action am I able to take? And then when is it that my faith should kick in and I should let go and I should stop and I should let God be God? Where's the line where I embrace my inability? And here's the way I would put it. Is that God encourages you to reap, sow, store, labor, and spend up until what's left is up to tomorrow. Does that make sense? God encourages you. Hey, plan. Make phone calls. Uh, Research. Ask. Look. Make appointments. Work. Go to the gym. See the doctors. Organize. Budget. Store. Save. Do everything you can do. Work as much as you can. Do everything you can until you get to that point where what's left? There's nothing more I can do today. Okay, then, if there's nothing more you can do today, then I guess it's up till tomorrow. Well, I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried. I'm worried about that thing that hasn't happened yet. I'm worried about that meeting. I'm worried about when the doctor calls. I'm worried about the test results. I'm worried. I'm worried. Okay, well, that's, that's up to tomorrow. And you're today. You're here. You're into today. You can't do anything about tomorrow, can you? No, I can't. Okay. But here's the good news God is already in tomorrow. God is already ahead of you. God's already working in tomorrow. And so, you know what you can do? You can let it go. You can rest easy. You can breathe. You can enjoy your Netflix with your wife. You can chill. You don't need to talk about it anymore. You don't need Facebook about it anymore. You don't need Instagram about it anymore. You just let it go. Because guess what you can't do? Nothing. You can't do nothing about it today. You've done all the reaping you can do. You've done all the sowing you can do. You've done all the storing you can do. You've done all the laboring you can do. The office is closed. Yeah, but I want to know the test result. Can't do nothing about it. Office is closed. Yeah, but we wanted to get... uh, Well, they said you can't do it today. So I guess it's done. Yeah, but I... uh, Yeah, you're done. You're done for today. And what's left is up to tomorrow. And so you can't do anymore. And that is the point in which your faith should kick in and say, well, I guess God's got it. And then he says this. He says, this is, this is Jesus' when he says, but, anytime he says, but, he's saying, I know what you want to do. And I know what you, where, where you'd like to go, but. And what he's doing when he says, but, or, or therefore, he's offering An alternative. He's offering an alternative to you who catastrophize, who worry, who try to control. He says, but seek first. And that seek first in the Greek actually means to chase after. He says, but I want you to seek first. Here's what I want you to chase after in your life. And he says, but chase after his kingdom. And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now what he's not saying, here's, this is, I've seen some pastors butcher this, okay? I've seen some butchers say, if you just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything you want will be given to you. That's not what he's saying. I don't know where you, I mean, apparently it was okay for me to just go to Spanish instead of Greek because I even know that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is when you chase after his kingdom and his righteousness, do you know what you'll find? His kingdom and his righteousness. That's what that verse means. When you chase after, he said, I can guarantee you one thing. You can only do so much reaping, sowing, storing, and labor and spinning. But I'll tell you this much. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, if you chase after that, that is exactly what you will find. You will find his kingdom and you will find right relationship with him. And you will find right relationship with other people. He says, so here's the thing. Labor, spin, sow, reap, store, all that stuff. But always, 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 always. Always chase after his kingdom and righteousness first. I've been hearing this saying said to me a lot. I ask people, how you doing? 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 And they keep telling me the same thing over and over again. It's driving me insane. So this is the second punch in the face, okay? This is the second shot. The first one was a jab. Here comes the left hook, Okay. People keep saying to me. I'm just. We're just trying to keep busy. 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 Just trying to keep the kids busy. Just trying to keep busy. Just trying to keep busy. It's driving me insane. How many times I've heard that lately. I mean. You know it. I see it. Right? We're just trying to keep busy. And the thing is. About keeping busy. And I get it. Because I'm a millennial. Right? A lot of you are young people. It's not even a young people thing. I think it's an everybody thing. But why do we try to keep busy? Because if we keep busy, do you know what happens when we keep busy? Time goes by faster. And what happens when time goes by faster? We can get to tomorrow sooner. Right? We figured out a life hack. Right? If I have to sit, if I have to sit, if I have to be still, I think. Oh, I think about my emotions. I think about the state of things. I think about what I ought to be doing. I think, I think about the reaping and the sowing and the storing. Ooh, I think about those things. I don't want to think about those things. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to stress about those things because if I start to stress about those things, I might start to catastrophize about those things. And if I catastrophize about those things, I'll start to worry about those things. So what are we going to do? Well, we need to get to tomorrow quicker. Okay. What are we going to do? Occupy ourselves. Let's occupy ourselves Let's keep busy. What are we going to do Tuesday night? We're home. Okay, that's bad. Let's get out of the house. What could we sign up for for the next six months that will take us away from Tuesday nights? For the next six months, sports. Okay, that's what we'll do. Dancing. Okay, that's what we'll do. Pilates. Okay, that's what we'll do. Anything that will keep us away from Tuesday nights. What do we have Wednesday nights? We're home. Okay, What other children can we create to make something else that could occupy us? (laughs) Parents, you do this too because you worry about your kids. You worry about your kids. You catastrophize about your kids. And I get it. What is your solution? Because you're catastrophizing about your kids. Let's just keep them busy. Let's keep myself busy. Let's keep our kids busy. Let's keep our calendar busy so, you know, we can like... Hurry this along, because we've got to get to the point where they're a young adult, and I feel like I've crossed the finish line, and I did a good job, you know? Let's keep busy. But here's the thing. And look, there's nothing wrong with so many of these things we do. There's so many things that we do that aren't wrong. They're not sinful. They're not bad things. But here's the thing. Some of us, we keep so busy that we miss the reaping and the sowing and the storing and the laboring and the spinning that God wants to do in our life. How many times do we keep ourselves so busy that we take ourselves out of being in worship with God? How many times do we keep ourselves so busy that we end up not even able to spend time with our family, not spend time around the dinner table with one another, spend time asking the important questions in life, spend time getting to know each other, spend time investing in our marriage, spend time in prayer, spend time learning, spend time being able to work on ourselves. Spend time being able to be healthy and feel better. Spend time going to a counselor and, and, and trying to seek treatment and trying to seek help for the experiences and the trauma that we've had in the past. So many times i talk to people who are interested in seeing a counselor who have had this conversation with their spouse and they're like, would you please go talk to somebody because I'm watching you deteriorate in front of me and I'm, it's so painful to watch because I can't do it for you and this is a you thing that you have to choose to do and we have those moments and what do we always tell them? I said it so many times in my life. All right, I'll go see a counselor. You're right. I need to talk to somebody and I will and I will and then the next day, Kate will text me did you did you Did you find a counselor? No, I got too busy. I was busy at work, and you know we got that thing tonight. We got CrossFit tonight i 'll do it tomorrow. Did you find a counselor? Did you find somebody to talk to? No, I was too busy uh, you know, and libby 's got gymnastics tonight, so we can 't do that. Did you find a counselor? Did you call the doctor did you were you able to, to 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 you know do what you need to do? Were you able to reap sow store? No, I got busy we got and we got church tonight, so i 'll take it over. Kate will just stop asking at that point. Because she knows. She knows what I'm doing. I'm just trying to keep busy. Keeping busy. And let me tell you something. One of the biggest things. I think faith. I thought of this analogy this week. I think so many times when it comes to our faith. We think of it as like a brick in our hand. Right? And we just pull out our brick. Got my faith. Got my hope in Jesus Christ. Here's my brick. And I can hold it. And I got it. That's a terrible illustration because you know what it is? Anything faith, love, hope, joy. It's not a brick, it's sand. It's sand that you hold in your hand. And the minute that you start to kind of open those fingers just a little bit, it just starts to pour out. It just starts to, little tiny grains. And then we just get a little looser and a little looser. And a little looser, and by before we even know it, love, faith, hope, joy can just slip through our fingertips because we didn't reap, because we didn't sow, because we didn't labor, because we didn't spend, because we kept ourselves so distracted and we kept ourselves so busy that we lost what we really want in life. So here is the thing: I I don't think you should keep busy. I think you should be active in the kingdom. And again, a lot of pastors have butchered this verse. And that's why you should sign up for our surf team this Sunday. You know That's not what I'm talking about. Because the kingdom is not about just the church activity. I believe that the church is the epicenter of the activity of God in the world. But when he says, be active in the kingdom, what I'm talking about is God wants redemption for you. God wants healing for you. God wants to draw closer to you. God wants to encourage you. So when he says, be active in the kingdom of God, he is saying, I want you to read. And sow and store and labor and spend towards that healing that I want you to have, towards that redemption that I want you to have, towards that life that I want you to have. And that's so much more than just going to worship and to going to church. But you know what? Sometimes being active in the kingdom of God means going and seeing a counselor. Being active in the kingdom of God means sometimes going and talking to somebody. Being active in the kingdom of God means praying and studying and learning and worshiping. It's so much more than being involved in church activities. It's being involved in the righteousness and the grace and the kingdom of God. And some of us, we miss it because we're keeping just too busy in life. Because we're just trying to get to tomorrow. We're just trying to get to the week. We're just trying to get to the month. We're just trying to get to the school year. We're just trying to get to this season of sports. We're just trying to get through life. And we're missing what God has for us. And he says this next. He says, so therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Then he says this. For tomorrow will worry about itself. What do I do? I should labor and I should spend, I should reap, I should sow, I should do, I should take action in my life. But what happens when I've done all I can? Well, then guess what? There's a beautiful gift waiting for you. It's called tomorrow. And tomorrow is a new day. And tomorrow is a new opportunity. And you know what? It really doesn't matter if you only did it once. Because let me tell you something about counseling. One counseling session, ain't going to cut it. Working out, one workout session, ain't going to get it. One day of eating healthy, not going to do it. One date with your wife, not going to do it. One day with your kids, not going to do it. But tomorrow is coming. And you know what? God is already into tomorrow, working on tomorrow and preparing tomorrow for you. He says, so therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And each day has enough trouble of its own. You know what the beautiful thing is? Some, somebody needs to hear this this morning. Somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes at the end of the day, I think God just wants to look at you and say, You've done enough. Just stop. You've done enough for today. And you know what? Everything's headed in the right direction, everything's okay, everything's good. Stop, don't worry. You've done all the laboring and spinning you can. You've done all the reaping and the sowing that you can. Today has been a good day. Today has been enough. Be at peace. See, some of you, you miss out on peace and you miss out on joy because you steal it from yourself. We'll call that the third punch. You steal it from yourself, you take it from yourself. Today has been enough, and you've done enough for today. So Jesus says, Rest easy. Reap, reap, sow, store, labor, spend, but leave tomorrow for tomorrow because today has been enough. So I want to give you a couple things to do. And the first thing is this the first thing I would encourage you to do is to reap, sow, store, labor, and spend. Uh, honestly, I thought thought about this in my office because I literally wrote the ending of this sermon this morning because I was laboring over this. And I thought, man, you know what? If there was one good thing I could hear from this message is I would hope somebody, somebody would hear this. And when they left and they got in the car in the parking lot, they would turn to their spouse or they would turn to their parent or they would turn to their friend. And they would say, I need to apologize to you. I need to ask for forgiveness because I I know what's gone on in here and in here. And you know what? I felt convicted today because I've put that on you and I've put my happiness on you and I've put the responsibility on you to make my life better when really what I should have been doing is I should have been reaping and sowing and storing and laboring and spend. And I should, I should be making my putting, making my health a priority, my mental health a priority I should be taking care of this. I need to go see a doctor. I need to go see a counselor. I need to talk to pastor about this. And I've put that on you. And you've been, out and been able to do anything but watch me have my good days and my bad days. And, and I want to apologize to you. And I want you to know. Tomorrow, I'm calling them. Tomorrow, I'm signing up. Tomorrow, I'm going to do something about it. Some of you need to reap, sow, store, labor, and spend. You need to do something about how you feel. You need to do something about where you're at. You need to do something about your debt. You need to do something about your addiction. You need to do something. Others of you, you're doing too much, okay? Others of you, you're all action all the time. And here's the thing. I want to create some common language for you and your household, okay? And for those of you who, again, we all talked about, everybody in here is either a Michael or a Kate, okay? Here's the language in my house, okay? When I get to that point where I've reaped, sowed, stored, labored, and spent, and here we go, we're getting into that that, that new element. This is what my wife tells me. Well, you've done all you can today. You've done all you can today. So just put the kids to bed and turn Netflix on, you idiot. You've done all you can for today. You know what? For some of you who are like Kate, that's what you need to do. Hey, well, you've done all you can today. There's nothing else to talk about. There's nothing more we can do. All we can do is wait for tomorrow. But God is already in for tomorrow. And for some of you internally, and again, I have to say this to myself, some of you internally, you need to say, I'm done for today. I've reaped, I've sowed, I've labor, I've spent. But today, I've done all I can for today. And so today, I'm done. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to text about it. I'm not going to look things up. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm done for today. Period. And accept that, pr- that peace. And put your faith in God. And let God worry about tomorrow. Because t- enough today has been enough. And the thing for all of us, whether you're a Michael or you're a Kate, whether you're full of anxiety or you're not, the thing for every single one of us is to seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. To chase after his kingdom. To not just keep busy. There's more to life than just keeping busy. There's more to life than going from thing to thing. There's more to life than having a full calendar. Having a full calendar doesn't mean a purposeful life. Going from the thing to thing, it so many times doesn't add up to anything. But Jesus makes us a promise. But if you chase after his kingdom... You will find what you're looking for, what you're really looking for. Whether that be peace, whether that be love, whether that be encouragement, whether that be healing, whether that be redemption. Chase after his kingdom, and his kingdom is what you will find. And let me tell you something from my own personal testimony. This is something for years and years and years I prayed. God take it away, God take it away, God take it away i 'm tired of having these moments with my wife where we 're fighting and we're yelling and i'm 'm I'm, 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 I'm all up in my head and, and i'm just'm I'm 'm I'm a bear to be with where i 'm in this mode of oh, are we going to get happy, Michael today, or are we going to get sad michael today well, i don 't know that's not a life that 's not a life that 's not a marriage I want to give to my wife, not the attitude that I want to have where my attitude and my joy and my demeanor is based on what's happening in the world and what's happening around me and how the last church event went and how this went. I mean, Kate would say prayers probably every night. Good Lord, help this next church event to go well or otherwise I will have to be with Cranky Michael for the next week. Please, Lord, just help it go well so that I get happy Michael for a little bit. Right? That's terrible. That's terrible, terrible, terrible. But when I finally, after telling her so many times that I would go to counseling and not ever going, the time I finally said, I will do it, and I picked picked the first appointment I could get, and I went to that counselor, I apologized to my wife. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for putting you in that position. I should have apologized to my kids if they were more aware of what was going on. I'm sorry I put you in that position. I'm sorry that I put you through that. But now, now I am seeking first His kingdom. Now I am looking for the healing and the redemption that He has in store for me. Now I am not trying to just keep busy. I am trying to live a purposeful life. And that's what I want for every single one of you. Because there's so much peace and satisfaction and joy that comes with that. And with God, it is possible. With God, it can happen. He is too good. He is too good to not believe. So, do what you can today. And then leave the rest tomorrow. And know and believe that He is already there. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God. Father God, as we come to you today. Some of us this morning, we honestly just need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness. God, I've put this off. I've, I've put it off. I've said I would. I've said I would. I've, I've said I would do this. I've said we would sit down. I've said we would talk. I've said we would plan. And I just haven't. I've just been lazy You've given me this great ability to reap, sow, labor, spend, and I've I've not done any of it. I've just been keeping busy. God, will you help me this week to take action in my life? Because I don't want to be where I am. And I don't want to feel how I feel. And I don't want to be alone. And I don't have to be alone. So God, will you help me? Will you help me to take action? And God, for, for some of us this morning... Who are all action and very little faith? God, will you help me when I when I've reached that point where I can do no more? Will you help me leave to tomo- tomorrow and tomorrow? Will you help me to leave what's in the future in the future? And will you help me to have faith and believe that you are already there working for my good? You are already there doing what needs to be done, planning things and putting things together for me. Will you help me, God, to put my faith in you? God, every single one of us in this room, maybe we don't deal with anxiety. Maybe we're very optimistic. Maybe we have such a healthy balance of reaping and sowing and all that. Would you help us to not just keep busy? God, don't help us just keep busy. Don't let the years just fade by. Years with our kids, the years with our teenagers, the years in our marriage, the years with our friends. Help the years not just fly by. Because it's not about just getting to it tomorrow. It's not about just getting to the next thing. It's not about just getting through this season or this school year or whatever it may be. God, we help us to chase after your kingdom. We you help us to chase after your righteousness. We you help us to chase after the life giving, purposeful things that you have for us. And that's not always church stuff, God. Sometimes that's redemption, sometimes that's healing, sometimes that's planning. God, whatever it may be. You help us to spend time in prayer with you and asking, God, what is your will for me today? What is your will for me today? Where is it that you want me to reap, sow, store, labor, and spend? Help me, God, to seek first your kingdom. Because we believe that you are a wonder-working God. And it is, we you are, you are too good to not believe to not believe. You are too good to not put our faith in. So will you help us today put our faith in you. In your name we pray. Amen. As our band comes back up, we're going to sing one last song together. And man, I want you to know, I, I probably got three phone calls this week. Three phone calls of people either worried about themselves or worried about somebody else. And I want you to know that we are there for you. We support you. We love you. But you've... You've got to do your part. You've got, you got to reap. You've got to sow. You've got to labor. You've got to spend. You've got to be open. You've got to be honest. It's hard work, man. It's hard work. But you, you have everything you need. You have every ability. You have every skill. You have people who believe in you. And you have the help and the resources around you to get through this. And not just survive it. Not just keep busy. But to grow and to, and to mature and to become more like Christ. To become the man that God knows you can be. To become the woman God knows you can be. To become the parent. To become the spouse. To become the leader that God knows you can be. But you've got to put it in His hands. And you've got to make the hard decisions. And put in that work. But you've got this. I believe in you. And I know you've got it. Will you stand up and worship with us this morning?